Welcome to At The Whiteboard with Ruth and Nicole, the podcast for people who want to crush it at work. Each week, we'll talk about the latest tips, trends, and tricks to help you love your job and to help your boss love you too. It's like having a personal coach whispering advice into your ear, but without the whispering. Okay, let's get into this week's episode. Hello. Oh, you're wait. Oh, see, now you're the one having to hit the camera. There we go. Hello. Hello. We need to do the opening like, um, what do they do on that Christmas cookie Saturday Night Live thing? When I was thinking doing that. NPR? I don't yeah. even know how they just sit there like this. I feel this setup is very strange and it's also it's showing close. how tired I am. I'm going to sit right back here. Can we just move way back? <laughs> no. Hey, how are you? No, it's just weird. It's a weird setup. And I'm also tired. We are we are in slow mo mode. Like yeah, the Thanks new wall. To the, yes, for the new wall and the Christmas decorations. We're in slow mode for a number of reasons. I'm fighting something. Yeah. You have something <laughs> congested yeah. sounding. Yeah. And it's the last day before we're done for two weeks. It's true. It's true. We are closed for two weeks. And we've kind of been we've been go getter for we a while, so it's kind of needed. Yes. And I always find it's just really hard to work when everyone else is slowed down. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, I, I fully support this endeavor. <laughs> I was getting ready to plan what our out-of-office message would be like, go away. <laughs> bah humbug. Bah humbug. It's not very friendly, so I thought, no. We'll have <laughs> something that says we're closed. I know. Even my social media has kind of, mm-hmm. I was doing so great, and it had kind of, it's, it's dwindled now. Mm-hmm. It's dwindled. It I've, I've dwindled. got nothing to say. Dwindler. Dwindling. Um, for those of you who are looking, what you see behind us this time, you'll notice the wall is no longer Robin's egg blue. It is a much more modern and acceptable color of grayish. <laughs> grayish. <laughs> and, and you can see the uh, stockings for the animals in my house, of which there are three. Two cats and one dog. So many animals. So many stockings. So many stockings. And, and there's huge. more stockings. than there's adult stockings. Those, well, that's my stocking and yeah. my housemate's stocking. Yeah. I could put up my other stocking. Is that your, like, sub-stocking? Well, because my real stocking from when I was little has my dad's handwriting on it, and they bought one of those stockings that you you would buy at the drugstore already filled with stuff, so it's really thin, thin, thin felt. (coughs) And my dad wrote with his left-handed scribble, which was how Santa wrote, um, in just as Ruthie on the top. So it was my stocking forever. It's got patches on it. It is close to falling apart. So my sister quilted me that That's stocking lovely. that you can see, and it glows beautiful. at night. It's wow. a little mouse underneath evergreen branches and snowflakes. It's beautiful. It is very pretty. She's we do sound pretty. like NPR right we now. We do. We're what so boring. What kind of stocking are you having this year? <laughs> oh, well, oh what's that thing I was going to ask you? Um, John Legend and Kelly Clarkson uh, did something, and they were whispering. ASMR? Yes, and they were doing this thing, and I said, I have to ask you, what, what is it? I don't know what it stands for. Uh, stands for. I don't know what the yeah. thing stands for. But it is basically, um, it is some point at which sound puts you into a relaxed state. Oh. So there are YouTubers who ASMR. There are sleep stories on my Calm app, yeah. uh, which we'll talk about later. I have it actually the calm comes app. up. Love the Calm app. There's ASMR stories, and it's something about the tonality and speed of their voice. 
Um, and if you've seen, there's uh, there's a Reese Reese's Reese Reese's mm-hmm. peanut butter cups. Mm-hmm. They did something with AM, ASMR where like they amplify the sound of like the wrapper coming off. Oh. And it's supposed to like put you in a trance-like state. Is that like? Did it start with that <coughs> uh, Real Housewives of Orange County video where they're all whispering the script? <laughs> Maybe you're a beast. Maybe you're a beast. <laughs> um, it's sort of like that. All right. Um, I don't want to put people to sleep like the Christmas cookie one, but from NPR. Well, yeah, it's you know, I mean, but we just talked about stockings and paint color. Like we might as well be running like a. The paint color is Stonington Gray by Benjamin Moore. <laughs> I love which Benjamin is Moore. Accented Have by you White used Diamond. Bunny, uh, bunny Gray because I love Bunny Gray. Is that a color? Bunny Gray is a color. It was the entire color of actually both of my houses. I just <laughs> painted them both all Bunny Gray. It's got a blue it's because tone. Because you wanted to say it's Bunny. Got, no, it's got a blue gray tone <laughs> in it. It's a cool gray. Bunny Gray is a cool gray. I'm thinking that this one is a bit more of a it's warm not. gray. It's not. It's actually cool. I got a lesson because, and then we'll get to work. Right. I have a problem with colors. I don't think I'm colorblind, but it runs in my family, and there seems to be a range with all of us, and I have trouble with blues, purples, and greens. And Nine so out of ten people I, have just signed out of this podcast. Oh. <laughs> just kidding. No, no, no sorry. Just kidding. <laughs> um, Anyway, so I got a lesson because I had picked the white diamond, or a friend helped yeah. me pick it at the cottage, and so I repeated it yeah. here. And I wanted a different gray, and it wasn't working. And I was explained both by my housemate and my sister. Oh, and the lady at Benjamin Moore. That's because I was mixing warms and cools. <laughs> Don't mix so your warms and cools. this is actually a cool gray. There you go. All right, so we're okay. back. <laughs> we're finally back, and we're finishing Brene Brown. <laughs> we're done with you. <laughs> we're done with you. I was almost done with her today in the car. I was like, I've just had it. Just, I'm over it now. Not Queen Brene. Not Queen Brene, but we have been spending a long time on this book, and we also had a bit of a break in our we did our last ones. Um, This is this is this last part, part four of of the book, is just about wrapping it up. And now, what do you do? So. We've been talking a lot in this book. It started off talking about vulnerability and what it means to be vulnerable, to open yourself up to possibilities, to saying the hard thing, to having courage, to being honest and forthright and what it means. Um, Talked about the courage, um, talked about the arena. We all have um, the ability and some of us are more likely than others to have hard conversations in what she uses the metaphor of a mar- um, marina, an arena <laughs> where we're there, you know, like the gladiators rumbling with these difficult things. And in the arena are all these people who are either throwing, you know, food at us, right? Or are applauding and cheering us on. And how can we be more uh, purposeful in who we allow to influence us? Uh, and then we talked about our values um, and defining those. We talked about trust and what it means to build trust and, um, resonate with trust. And all of those things were about how to have conversations at work. Difficult conversations, not difficult conversations. conversations. Yeah. Emotional ones, purposeful ones, ones that um, may decide directions that you take in your organization, who you hire, uh, who you promote, what projects you take, all of these things. It's a lot. It's a lot. And I... Again, I will say it over and over and again. It's like I want to go with Brene and I want to make a process map out of it or a checklist or like a, I don't know, something that like takes all this and wraps it up. 
in a nice Christmas bow? I think if, if I had to do that on the spot, I would say that the first section isn't really a process. It's sort of background context. It's, it's knowledge for you to understand why mm. this is important and what it means to be vulnerable. And then I would say the first step is, um, is assessing your gaps, your personal gaps with this, then assessing your values and then making operationalizing those values, as she said. How do we create behavior statements for our organization and our team? And I'm strictly speaking from a leader's perspective versus the individual. Right. Um, yeah, and then just start having the conversations. <laughs> and that's what, that's what this part four is. And as usual, she has a great quote at the beginning that says, when we have the courage to walk into our story and own it, we get to write the ending. And when we don't own our stories of failure, setbacks, and hurt, they own us. Ooh. So powerful. It is. And this is why it's important that people, particularly leaders, have the time to think about this and how it works for them. Because you need to own it. If there's something going wrong, you need to be able to get in there and go, okay, let's talk about this. Otherwise, it's just going to go, keep going sideways until there's no recovery. It's like a lie. You know, and a lie yeah. keeps going and going and going, and now you can't get out. Yes, you're stuck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there was that, and she talks about, she spent some time talking about um, how millennials make up 35% of the workforce right now. I think in Canada, it might be a little higher. <clears throat> and she talked about how um, their parents were what we called helicopter parents. Yes, and you know? these parents are lawnmower and these parents, parents are lawnmower. So helicopter, I always thought, was bad enough. Those who hover all the time making sure that their children are perfectly safe. And this lawnmower parents... Was it like paving they the They paved path. the way for them. And le- instead of letting them romp through the fields, they paved the way. And I thought, that's terrible. But that's kind of like the stories of the um, <coughs> celebrities who paid for their kids to get into school. Oh, I love that story. <laughs> I like following it. Yeah. So, yeah, so she talks about that because people have never learned to fail. And she said, if you don't learn to fail and learn to get back up and learn to do the hard thing, then you're going to learn the hard way. She says it's like teaching um, someone who skydives how to fall or how to land after they fall out of the plane. It, it's too late. So she thinks that people need to understand, and she goes back to, um, she uses her husband a lot in this book and in other books, and stories with her husband. And if you've seen any of the videos, she talks about her husband. And in this one, she's had an awful day. She's in the living room or the dining room and working away, and he comes home and opens the fridge and gets mad because there's no ham. There's no bloody ham or whatever he says he's like there's no damn lunch meat again There's no damn lunch meat again or whatever and she of course goes in her head goes bananas and says wants to say get your own damn lunch meat and all this sort of thing (laughs) and she's assuming that he's being critical of her and instead (laughs) my favorite part my favorite part is she like starts to tell this story like you know that car you have in the driveway? Like you could just get there and drive to the store and use your credit card and buy the lunch meat. And he's like, are you okay? Yeah. Are you kidding? Yeah. (laughs) She tells a good story. Oh, it was really good. It's always really sarcastic sounding and because it's what's going on in her head. And we all do this. 
What's the matter? Oh, no, I had sent a text to my two texts to myself and the first one didn't catch and there was a line in there that said oh it said um oh, uh something about um don't tell the story cuz it's you either have to be curious or get crazy. Mm. Do you remember that line? No. Oh, I'm so mad that Here. it didn't come through in my text. You know, I've got to find it. I'll tell the story. You carry of, on. I'll tell the story of what she's talking about. So she's there getting mad, and she wants to tell her husband to get in the car and go get his own damn ham. And mm. he then, be, having been married to her for so long, knows that something is wrong. So he asks her what's wrong, and they, at the end of the day, they work it out that... In fact, what happened was he had a craving for a ham fold over sandwich. What is a ham fold over sandwich? I don't Did know. That no. Ever come say. into we'll it? We'll have to find out. But he had a craving for this, and that's all. He wanted it, and he was disappointed that there wasn't any ham. It had nothing to do with her. It had nothing to do with anything. And so <clears throat> she tells the story. He also gives context. He says, I didn't get to eat lunch today, yeah. and so I was just really, really hungry when I came home. <laughs> I loved... I loved his yeah. honest telling of the story. He's like, like what? I don't know why I said it like that. I think I'm just really hungry. Yeah. <laughs> it's all, and it's laughable, yet so true. every woman, as soon as she heard that thing of him saying there's no damn ham in the fridge, went immediately to that place of like, excuse me? Yeah. Am I the ham provider in this family? I get the ham. I put it in the fridge. I say like, you got your own damn ham. Like, everyone went there. I know. And meanwhile, he was just hungry. Yeah. So she she has these phrases that she recommends people use. And um, it was in her Rising Strong book, I think, that this started out. And it, it starts with either I make up with, uh, I make up that dot, dot, dot. Or um, the story I make up is dot, dot, dot. Or her popular one is the story I'm telling myself. So when you're in these conversations, she she then says, if you start off with, Nicole, the story I'm telling myself is that you're mad at me for not getting ham and that, that I didn't have time to go to the groceries. Because it right away, it doesn't accuse you of not going to get the ham. It tells you that this is what's going on in my head. Help me figure out what's actually happening. And that person may say, well, actually, that's true. But more than likely, they'll say, well, I was just hungry and I wanted some ham and I was sorry there wasn't any. <laughs> so... This is, when you talk about your process map for this book, this is one of those, you know, do I need to have a, a difficult conversation? Am I angry with someone? Is there something emotional going on? If yes, then first of all, take a few minutes and breathe. Yes, and she's got some great tips yes. for using some like yoga yes. breathing or breathing yep. that's in the calm app. Yep. Actually, um, last night, Tom and I did the Daily Calm. We usually oh, do yeah. the Daily Calm before our sleep story. And the Daily Calm had the exact same breathing exercise that Renee yeah. um, did. Renee. Did I do it, did I do again. it again? Yes. It's because our hairdresser's named Renee. Yes. So um, anyway, she said, that's the first thing you do. You open that conversation, not with, how dare you tell me, yell at me for not having ham. You open it, Steve, the story I'm telling myself is that you're mad that I don't have ham. So this is, it's like a tool, um, a level setting. Did you find it? I haven't found it yet and I no. have to find it. You have to find I it? I have to find it because it's, it was such an amazing, <laughs> it was such an amazing thing. I'll find it any second now. All right. C carry, so carry on. Then she finally, so this whole final section is really a summary. It's a wrap up to the whole book about how to have these conversations 
and knowing that some of them aren't going to go very well. The whole point of daring to lead is to do the hard thing, hope that it will go well, build on that. And if it doesn't, to be able to get up and keep going. You found it. Something's going on. Oh. Get curious or get crazy. Yeah. And I <clears throat> that hit me so clearly mm-hmm. because... Again, as soon as she told that story, my first instinct was get crazy. Well, and that's so that's the reckoning section, which is the next section. So she talks about the process, and there's a three step process for this. The first one is the reckoning. So when something, she says that when something difficult happens, emotion takes over. And <clears throat> she says, what did she say? Um, thinking and emotion are hog tied in the back, and emotion <laughs> is driving like a bat out of hell. And that's when it goes to get curious or get crazy because she said people that are self-aware that are able to rise strong, that are able to come back after the setback immediately go, what's going on? And they start thinking about it and get curious about what's really going on. So I love that. And then she, I mean, um, it's, it literally is kindness and curiosity, leave no ang- room for anger and resentment. Literally, which any minute she's going to use. <laughs> any minute she's going to pull it out. So, so she says that, um... Most people get busy sucking it up. How how many times have you heard that? Suck it up, buttercup, right? Sorry, it's hard. Sorry, you had a hard day. Deal with it. Move on. And we're calling that now toxic positivity. Oh, well, it is, isn't it? She said there's all these, she has a list, believe it or not, of six six things that um, people will do instead of getting curious. So chandeliering, which is lording power over other people. So I'm mad and I'm embarrassed. Now my power side is going to come out even more. Bouncing hurt, which is saying things like, whatever, who cares? I don't even care that it happened. I'm not even mad. I'm not even mad. Numbing, right? Whether you're drinking or shopping online or uh, binge watching something, it's all numbing. Stockpiling it. I would say this is something that I'm guilty of. And I get Mm. it from my mom. So stockpiling hurt. And she said mid-career and mid-life are important. Where you... Take something, it happens, you, you know, deal or don't deal. In this case, don't. You put it away. And then one day, mm. one day, the thing happens. It's like hiding a bunch of things in a closet yeah. day over day over day. And then one day you open it and it all falls down on you. Yes. And you just, and it's completely unreasonable. Mm. I, yeah, I, I am guilty of that one too. Yeah. Uh, the Umbridge, such a good, um, a good one. Um, it's saccharine sweet. And she named it the Umbridge after Dolores Umbridge in Harry Potter with her pink suit and everything yeah. is so sweet, but she's actually quite evil. Right. Yeah. Um, and then the hurt and the fear of high centering, which is getting stuck in a way, high centering, like your car getting stuck on a high. Yeah. Um, and your wheels are touching in the road. And yeah, <laughs> so you can't actually go forward and go backwards. You're so upset. You're so mad that you can't move. And and you don't, again, you still, oops, Daisy, you're still, sorry, you're still, it's probably an Amazon delivery. <laughs> this is it's us being real. It's the holidays. Um, and you, she says, this is all of these things. We, we feel something, something bad happens, and we do these things instead of getting curious. And then she says the ways to get curious. Now, that's what you're talking about, right? So... Uh, strategies for reckoning Uh, to just stop and breathe right so she does she I loved actually the way she said she traces a square inhale for four hold for four 
Exhale for four. Hold for four. Yeah. And That's what, harder to do than you think. It is, especially when pregnant. I was like... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in the call map last night, it was inhale for four, hold for four, exhale for eight. Oh, yeah. There was no hold after that, and then you inhaled oh, again. Okay. But again, I was laying in bed, and I was like... <laughs> I, you know what? I get obsessed with counting. It's, it's so <laughs> stupid. I'm like one... One one thousand, one steamboat, one, <laughs> one two, Mississippi. Three, four. Like how slowly do I need to go? And then I'm waking up while I do it. I've never been good at meditating or any of those. Even things. with the calm app. Even with the calm app, which I still like, and I play their sounds before I go to sleep. I go to sleep to the heavy rain sound that it has. So I have, and this is you know not paid advertisement by Calm. However, Calm, if you want to sponsor us, <laughs> we're down. Uh-huh. Um, I recommend this app to everyone. Um, I find it very, very effective. So I've, when I've been mindful and aware and prepared to do some of this stuff, I remember one day getting mad at Tom and I was really angry and I went through and Calm has all their daily comms and they actually had one specifically for, I don't know, it was forgiveness or something like that. And I literally said, let me put this on before I blab yes. out what I want to say, right? Yeah. Let me... Let me get curious Not before crazy. I get crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was so effective. I remember going through that whole thing. And by the end of it, I went, this really isn't that big of a deal. Yeah. It's probably not, you know, it's not worth raising because it's not this, you know, and I told myself, and then I was probably the reflecting I'm telling as I'm meditating. Yeah. And what I love about Calm is they never put a focus on you know, sometimes when you're meditating or I've been to yoga classes and they're like, don't let your mind escape. If it escapes, bring it back. So then you start feeling shame for letting your mind escape. Yeah. Whereas I find in calm, they always say, it's okay if your mind goes away. It's supposed to. Hmm. And the way they always framed it is flag for yourself what your mind has gone to. Hmm. And that has been super... So when I'm stressed and overwhelmed, have anxiety, and I meditate, usually the thing that my mind is going to... Is what let's needs say, to... Let's say it's that camp. scary CRA call that I got, oh, yeah. right? And it's like, you know what? Then I know that immediately when I'm done meditating, I go to my bullet journal and say, um, I don't journal about my feelings, but I do write down what was, what was in my head list... That I must not have gotten onto a paper list right. and that was making my brain messy. Yeah. And so it'll be like, you know what? I need to call the CRA or I need to well, and pay any, my taxes any or do whatever. Of that kind of work to help you focus on what it is, that's what she calls getting curious. So why am I so freaked out right now? What is making this seem so hard to me? Take that moment to breathe or to meditate or there's a host of ways you can do it. Go for a walk. It's always, it's sort of like... Taking a break before you hit send on an email. Yes. <clears throat> Make, take a break before you open your mouth. The reckoning is the first step. I know that something is wrong. Something yes. needs to happen. Something difficult has happened or something, or I have to have a tough conversation with somebody that they're not going to like, or I have to break up with someone, or I don't know. I haven't gotten the ham for the ham full door yeah. sandwich. It's interesting. I'll sometimes call a friend and I've called you often and done this and say, this is how I'm feeling. This is how I'm reacting. I know it's not rational, 
Like, I need to talk through it. Yeah. I did it with a friend just the other night, and yeah. I said, so-and-so didn't cancel plans on me and then was sick, and then something happened. I'm certain so-and-so doesn't want to be friends with me anymore. Yeah. And I remember my friend going, I don't think that's the case. And I, in my head, went, that's the story I'm telling myself. Yeah, and so Brene would say, if you added that sentence, maybe it's somebody you don't know as well that you have to have a conversation. Yeah. Like, the story I'm telling myself is that they, they don't like me anymore. And then it's, you're not actually putting it on anyone. You're, you're sort of keeping it on yourself until you figure yes. out what's really going on. Well, it's a very <clears throat> valid way of having a conversation with someone. Instead of, you are making me feel bad. Yes. You are not responding to my texts. You are not making plans with me. You are a bad friend. Yes. Instead, the story I'm telling myself is that you don't want to spend time with me anymore and you, you don't want to have this friendship. Yeah. Very different conversation. Very different. different conversation. I do wonder, though, do you think that if you used this... I'm going to use this, by the way. The I other, think it's brilliant. What's the risk of the other person saying, are you fishing for a compliment? Why are um, you feeling that way? Are you being... Is this you... What's that phrase? Humble brag or whatever. Is that you... Just being um, self-deprecating in yes. a fake way. No, so maybe this presumes that you genuine. have a trusting relationship and that well, and it has you to are be genuine. genuine feel. Like you can't yeah. run into this. Like I can't run the story into this. Today, I'm telling myself is that you don't want to be my friend anymore. Just so that you'll say to me, "Oh, but I love you, Nicole. I want to be your yes. friend." Yeah, it's not like it's, yeah. you're not vague booking. You know, yeah. you're not oh, yeah, yeah. not putting some vague post on Facebook that's like hardest day I've ever had. <laughs> period. <Peace. laughs> <laughs> period yeah wait for the comments to yeah. roll in yeah yeah I think <clears throat> yeah I think you'd have to start the con I mean I don't, I don't think that's the first conversation starter like no hey uh, you know I want to have a conversation can we talk I've been feeling a little yeah down lately yeah you know, this, maybe just, you know, gosh, it's Asby yeah it is can Asby. I tell you something what's the situation maybe your impact is the impact is that the story I'm telling myself yes. is that you don't want to be friends with me anymore. Yes. Yeah. So you still need to go through those four steps of a conversation, right? Because Ask I for think those show your genu- uh, genuosity. Your genuine. <laughs> yes. I'm so genuous. I'm very genuous. Genuousness. 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 My genuousity is. Genuous nature. Now I don't even like the word genuous. It sounds is that weird. a word? It sounds weird and I don't even know how to spell it. Genuine. It's probably sweater. not a word. It's like sweater, sweater or bridge. Bridge is fine for me. No. Sweater Say is always been times. a sweater. Sweater. <gasps> sweater. <gasps> what are Daisy. you saying, bridge? <laughs> you are? Don't. Shh. <laughs> Dog's so cute. Um, <laughs> anyway. Anyhow, yes, so ask for permission. Um, describe the situation. Yeah. Um, describe in which the it behavior. Happened. Describe the behavior that you saw. And the impact, which we find is often the hardest one to describe, maybe that's where you insert the story I'm telling myself is this. Yeah. Because alternatively is the impact is you're making me feel bad. Yeah. And that's, I think, an invitation for defense. Yes, it is. It's very good. What? And you could even do that. Let's say it was... um... Let's say you, you showed bad behavior at a team meeting. You know, can I talk to you about something? Is this a good time? Uh, you remember the meeting this morning when you had that outburst about such and such? Um, 
the well, rest of the team felt or the the team the story uh, the team is telling themselves or they came to me because uh, they are feeling that. Yeah. Daisy, come here. Do you want to be on camera? She doesn't. She's <laughs> going to go bark at the Amazon sale. Go ahead. <laughs> um, yeah. So that would, if you combine that, our ASBE with this thing of, of bringing it back to yourself. I don't think you should use it or even would use it all the time. Because no, because it could get tired also, it gets, right? It gets if like tired. every time I'm like, the story I'm telling myself is that you're not interested in doing this. The story I'm telling, like, then it just, no. it could start to sound. But it's, it's the, what can, what else can you say that's. That's a good idea. I would try and come up with multiple yeah. versions. It appears that, or it would it, it seem feels that to on me the like, surface, it seems to me that, or yeah. something that shows that you're not um, presuming, you're not assuming you're not assigning blame. So the the three that she's got is the yeah. story I'm telling myself, the story I make up, I make up that. Yeah. Um I often say like the um the tape that's playing in my head. Oh, that's a good one. It ages me deeply. <laughs> but yeah. It's like you're talking to a millennial and they're like, "Sorry, what kind of like tape? Like a roll of tape?" And then they say, "Okay, boomer." <laughs> I know. Okay, that. boomer. I hate that now. It is pretty it's pretty offensive. It is. It's like... Uh, even not... I'm not a boomer and it's offensive. Any okay boomer, you just picture the hand going up. Like, talk to the hand kind of thing. That's what... It's like a hashtag that is talk to the hand. It's really obnoxious. Uh, anyway. Yeah. So, yes. And then... So, she says, in the reckoning, you're recognizing what's going on. You're recognizing the story you're telling yourself. And you're using whatever strategies you need to get a hold of yourself before you do anything. Because you do need to do something. And that getting a hold of yourself might take five minutes of... Breathing and thinking, or it might take a couple days. It's just getting curious. The reckoning is about getting curious, not getting crazy. So then yeah. she says, you rumble with it. At this, in this stage, you're rumbling and you're owning it. And it was interesting. Um, one of the things that she said, we've always said, in the absence of data, people make up stories. So all it's exactly time- what I texted to myself. Oh, did you? I did. And I said, we always talk about it as in change. Yeah. People come up with rumors and have water cooler gossip. Yeah. Yeah, they do still have water coolers. I was checking. I wasn't sure. Um, And the stories that people make up when they don't have any information. And that's exactly the bologna story, the ham, the bag of ham. Who buys a bag of ham and what is a ham fold over? Anyhow. It's like a Pop-Tart with ham in it. Is it that I imagine. one piece of bread that you fold in half. Like you don't bother to cut it. Wow. Or was it just ham with mustard inside eating it as a sandwich? All of these questions and more. They all Brene, sound good. you could solve this for us. Please call. Please call us. Mm-hmm. 1-800-WHITEBOARD. 800 1-800-WHITEBOARD. Um, yes. What is a handful? Oh, so I meant to say my version of the ham sandwich story is Tom and I will often be out and he'll say something like, oh, where's her spare bottle of milk? Mm-hmm. And I go into the story of what an idiot. I didn't pack a bag of ba- an extra bottle of milk, but I immediately jump to crazy and go, "Why didn't you pack a bag of milk? Why didn't you pack an extra? Bottle? What did you pack? I packed everything else." Like it's just like my voice gets higher and higher and higher and higher. Um, and he really was just looking for it in the bag. It wasn't an accusation. It wasn't. But every time yeah. he says it, and he's pointed it out to me, he said, how come every time I ask you, 
You are thinking I am making an accusation on you. It's because you feel shame. <laughs> You're not a sociopath. <laughs> Wait, have we figured it out? Because <laughs> as, as you're going to the place that you're que- he's questioning your ability to be a good mother. I guess I don't feel shame. I'm mad because I'm like, well, why didn't you there help me go. then? I know. Well, so, <laughs> yes. and what this is, is the shitty first draft. And I've read this in her other books as well. Um, that what we do is we write down this story in our heads of what's going on. And she calls it the SFD. <laughs> and she, she said some people even should journal it if it's helpful. Because when you write it down, you see how ridiculous it is. Yes. And when you can put it in your head and say that I've written all these things that I think is going on are going on. And I realized how stupid they are. So, yeah. She says, what did she say? Translating what's going on is uh, makes what's happening graspable. In other words, people can get it. She said, yeah. 75 people who are really good at rising from failure actually journal and write down what's happening. I will never be one of those people. I hate journaling. I'm thinking of boojoing in the new year. I know. What? I'm going to give it another Tom shot. has been boojoing and... Yeah. He loves it. He said he's never felt, and this is not a, you know, tooting my own horn. Mm -hmm. He says he's never felt as organized. He's never felt that he had a one spot for all of the to-dos. Yeah. I have three separate pads. One is a calendar. One is a list of stuff. And one is today. And I, I, and they're fine, but it's getting a little annoying. They do help me process. And I thought, well, I'll try it. Because <clears throat> Nicole teaches it, so it must be good. Well, it's, anyway. it's more about having it with you, right? So yeah. what would struggle be a struggle for me is if I had my, I don't know, shopping list at home and I was out and thought of something, yeah. it would constantly be like zooming around in my brain, like don't forget to add this to this list. Whereas yeah. in my bujo, I can just start a new list and it's always with me. It's always in my purse. It's, you know, it's just there. Right. Anyhow. Anyway, she says, course, she says it's important to swipe write up. these things down. No swipe up. Swipe just up. kidding. I swipe wish. up. We don't have 10,000 followers. We just need 9,800 more. <laughs> my dog has more followers than that. Yeah. That's not good. Someone, right. <laughs> my friend of mine last night said that she, she is trying to get, fo- she's, she actually, I said, well, how do you know that that's happening? And she's like, oh, well, my dog follows you on Instagram. And I was like, pardon? She's like, I don't have my own Instagram account, but my dog does. Oh, that's funny. And then she's like, I'm trying to get to here. She's like, this dog has 47,000 followers. So she says, Brene says, with the shitty first draft, that you have to ask yourself, uh, when you actually write it down, what more do I need to learn and understand about what's going on? So that's a good question. What do I need to know about the other people in the story, if there are any? And what do I need to know about myself? And that's the whole discussion of emotional intelligence, which um, she also talks about. What do you need to know about how I react? I tend to react when I haven't had lunch. I tend to react um, when it's a, this time of year because it's a hard month for me because these things in my family history or yeah. whatever. Or I always, when, when I have a meeting the next day, I always tend to be very sensitive or whatever's going on. Yeah. So, yeah, she's really getting obnoxious little Daisy. Um, yeah, so what do you need to know about it? And how can you then um, adjust what you want to say to whom you want to say it? 
it's all this part. So it's the reckoning that something's wrong. Then there's rumbling with what else do I need to know? Have I got the full story? And then the final thing is the revolution, taking the action. And this whole book has been about taking action. What are you going to say? Is it within your values? Are you, have you gotten rid of as many assumptions as you can? Um, are you being kind? Are you being considerate of the other person's world? Are you assigning them the most um, generous assumption of what's happening? And I mean, at the core root of it, to say something like the story I'm telling myself is that you don't want to be my friend anymore yeah. is pretty freaking vulnerable. Oh, yeah. Because it's kind of, it's like sharing a deep, dark secret. Like, yeah. No one ever wants to say that. Like, yeah. I'm confident. I know my friends. I know. Oh, I know. I, you don't want to be my friend. I don't care. I don't care. Whatever. Whatever. Like, mm -hmm. unfriend. Mm -hmm. Block. Okay, boomer. Right? Like, mm. when really the super vulnerable thing to do is say, this is the story I'm telling myself. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it's, again, Brene, you blow <laughs> me away. Well, and I think. You blow me away with what's in here. I just want a cheat sheet. Oh, I don't know that there is one. I know. And maybe making one for yourself might be part of an exercise. So she says, if you ask me to boil down, it's funny. I was going to say, it's funny you circled what I circled in this in my book, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you ask me to boil down everything I've learned from this research, I would tell you these three things. Oh, okay. This is like the big, the big, the big boom. All right. So the level of collective courage in an organization is the best predictor of that organization's ability to be successful. Also something we Collective teach. courage. The best organizations are able to have conversations up, down, and across. Yes. They are the ones that can have change. Yeah. And these conversations require courage. So, so Brene, thing, you're right. And it's Agreed. collective courage. It's not just one person, no. you know, it's, shouting into the void. It's oh. a whole team of people. Oh, my gosh. Oh, What? Yesterday, I was listening to a podcast about um, zero waste and sustainability. So just it's a this, big deal right now. Yeah. And they said, it's not about one person being perfect. It's about a million people doing a small thing. Yes. And so they just started talking about, like, what if one city um, stopped disposable diapers? Yeah. And, like, the number they came up with which was really funny because when they calculated it, it came out to one, you know, 1,000 whatever, and then they couldn't understand what... Uh, to the power? To the power of meant bless. That's funny. Bless. But I think they finally figured it out that yeah. it meant a lot more zeros. A lot zeros. of zeros. A yeah. lot of zeros. Uh, <laughs> but I loved that. And that's yeah. the kind of same thing here. As a leader, you don't have to be perfect. No. Not every conversation has to be perfect and planned and work perfectly and end perfectly. And it's what I often say when we're teaching, I go, this isn't a math equation. Mm. There is no exact answer. You just have to keep trying and keep Can you imagine and... if a whole organization, for instance, banned saying, yeah, but. Uh, I mean, it's these little things. It's everybody collectively having the courage to try these things, to start using them and getting better all the time. Yeah. Uh, the second thing <clears throat> is the greatest challenge <clears throat> in developing brave leaders is helping them acknowledge and answer their personal call to courage. So what is your difficulty? Mm. What is that thing that you need the courage for and have not been able to find it? And everybody has it. 
You know, and I've said before, I teach difficult conversations and I can have them all day long for you and for anyone else. And when it comes to me, I have to rumble every single time. And if I can avoid it, I will. It's, you know. I was teaching that just last week and mm-hmm. and there was one woman who was quite, quite confrontational oh, yeah. and said, oh, the reason our senior leadership isn't good at conversations is because you must have taught them. Yeah, oh, she's lovely. <laughs> she's a she lovely, lovely, lovely treat. Um, but it's true. I say the same thing. I go, I can have conversations. I know how to plan them. I know how to, I know what I'm supposed to say. It doesn't make it any easier every time I have to do it. Yeah. The last thing she says is that we fail the minute we let someone else define success for us. And I thought this, I won't, this, this last section is very long, um, but it's the last page of the book. And I think it's something that everyone could do for 2020. And it's your joy list, your joy and meaning list. What brings you joy? Oh. Um, and she says things like, um, when things are going really well in our family, what does it look like? What brings us the most joy? When are we in our zone? And she said for her family, answers included things like sleep, working out, healthy food, cooking, time off, weekends away, going to church, being present with the kids, a sense of control over our money, date nights, meaningful work that doesn't consume us, time to just do nothing. And what was shocking was that um, they were, she and her husband were looking at their joy lists and they hadn't, um, uh, they'd been so busy with work achieving things that they didn't have time for any of these other things. So why were they doing it? Now, in the realistic world, many of us don't have the time. We don't have, we're not entrepreneurs. We work 10 hours in a hospital setting or drive a bus or um, are construction workers or work in an office environment where we're expected to be there 15 hours a day. We don't have that. What if you still could? What if you still could have, this is what brings me joy and just be working towards that a little bit every day, whatever it looks like. Do you know what we do on vacation? Um, when we're at the cottage, we write our, um, cottage to-do list, but it's not what I have to do. It's what do I want to do really badly today? And I want to make sure I carve time for. Yeah, I like that. So. It's also right out of Hallmark's Christmas Getaway, my favorite movie. Is it really? The little girl has a list for Christmas. So every day <laughs> the, like the family get, we have a family conference in the morning and we say, okay, what does everyone want to do today? And, uh, you know, Abby might say, I want to go snowshoeing. So we add snowshoeing to the list. I might say, I want a puzzle or I want to read. And I'll make sure I add that to the list. And I know to look. And instead of getting caught up in scrolling. Yeah. Yeah. Or some other just watching TV or just having, you know, the Hallmark Channel going all day long, which I really like too. Yeah. I'm, I parse it all out and I say, I want to watch one Hallmark movie. Yeah. And then I make sure I do those things. And we have such a joyful time yep. in that free time because we make sure we do that. And imagine if you were uh, able to do that with your family. I mean, everybody do it. Try it even just for the holidays. Take a half an hour. It sounds silly but to make a to-do list team, of what you want to do. But if you did that for your team and said, what do we want to do this week? What do we want to do? You could have also, what do we have to do? Yeah. But we want to do these four things. How are we going to make time for those? That'd be a, what a great, and what would lead to some great conversations from that? And innovation and creativity. Yes. And I mean, I know when I get to work on something that I love, Yeah, I have no issues getting it done, getting no. it done on time. It's a little frightening. <laughs> but yeah. Right? So that's the book. It's, um, 
It's an amazing book. Thank you for sticking with us if you have. Thank you for listening to Thank it. you for listening to our ramblings and to my dog barking or whatever's <laughs> going on. Um, and I think it's a very powerful look at a lot of her research applicable to leadership. And it's mostly what we teach. So she did steal from us, clearly. Um, and we are super pumped. And if we have the opportunity to be able to take yeah. the Dare to Lead facilitation course, that is something we are super excited about and yeah. we will last time you... I looked on her website it said they don't have any dates for the next one yet mm. so I'll have to wait and see how that goes maybe they're revamping it I don't know maybe um, there's only a couple people in Ontario that teach it interesting we should maybe even reach out to them to see if they like it what they how they That's felt a good about idea. it yeah um because maybe it brings the structure that I am that Dying I am craving for. that I am craving yeah so tell us um, about our next book that we're going to do in January so I'll be leading the next one, um, and we're doing Digital Minimalism by Cal Newport. Um, and gosh, the, one of the first things I challenge you not to devour this wonderful book in one sitting. Wow. This book is an urgent call to action for anyone urgent. serious about being in command of their own life. Cal Newport has discovered a cure for the techno exhaustion that oh. plagues are always on digitally caffeinated culture it's very true so i'm already thinking about what to do for christmas to unplug because i was thinking so i come back to what i said about our out of office message i was i was thinking that we should even on our info account have an out of office that says we're closed and we're not checking messages and we'll be back january 6th that's the monday and I thought, oh but what if a client reaches out maybe i should say something like we will be checking our email sporadically yeah, but we should unplug, and so I hadn't done anything. Yeah, I, I mean, I end up. I like checking my email because I certainly don't want to come back on the sixth and be dealing with seven hundred thousand yeah. emails, yeah. even the spam ones that are making me crazy around the Christmas time. Um, so I will check for the purposes of keeping my inbox mm-hmm. tidy and clear. I don't want to set expectations that we'll be responding if they happen no. to be at work on January second and we are not. What about you know? We'll you respond know. as soon as we can. Yeah, we, or you might see a, a particularly delayed response yeah. as we are on vacation. Yeah. You know, we will check sporadically, but are back in yeah. full force on January 6th. Yeah, but I Something was just, like that. yeah, I was just thinking about that with respect to feeling plugged in. I am, so when I'm away for four days or so over Christmas at a remote location, I plan on completely unplugging other than text messages from my family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but it's hard. It's really, really hard. I At one point, um, someone had pointed out to me that my, like, my social media use was excessive and that I wasn't even able to hold conversations because I was oh. so busy scrolling and, mm-hmm. and reading through. And I, I took great offense to it. I became oh. very defensive about it. Wow. Um, and then started to notice it. There is... As an addition, again, the Calm app. The Calm app has a, what do they call it? A masterclass in, um, they call it like digital media addiction. Oh, yeah. Um, But I mean, it's not, I mean, the fact that we pick up and want to instantly scroll Instagram when we're in an elevator, any second we have one minute of pause is to some extent an addiction. Oh, I and I found that. the masterclass on the com was really yep. cool. So you could start with that. That's a good idea. As a kind of compliment to this book. Um, but basically, um, you know, 
they, they, you know, he's talking about, you know, digital minimalists are all around us. They're calm, happy people mm. who can hold long conversations without furtive glances at their phones. Isn't that funny? They get lost in a good book, a woodworking project, or a morning run. Um, they have fun with friends without the obsessive urge to document the experience. Yeah. They stay informed about the news of the day, but don't feel overwhelmed by it. They don't have FOMO. Because they already know which activities provide them with meaning and satisfaction. Have you heard of JOMO? What's JOMO? The joy of missing out. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it's very true. So I deleted Facebook a long time ago. I have it now only for business. And I don't miss it at all. Um, and I have periodically taken Twitter off my phone. When I do bring it back, I have deleted most of the political commented uh, mm. pundits. That I yeah. used to follow, and I only have a few. And I also made it a rule that I would only retweet or comment on things that were positive. Oh, those are some great. So yeah. we'll see what's anyway, in we'll it. See, not I'm a terribly long book. Okay. Couple, a couple hundred pages, two hundred and fifty. Um, I'm, I'll be actually reading it hard in hard, hard copy this yeah. time. Which so let's hope that I let's hope that I can get through yeah. it as fast as I do when I'm yeah. able to. Cool. Uh, but I've got cottage time. I'll add it to my list of. There you go. Of reading I can do while I'm at the cottage. So pick up your copy. Um, yeah. And we'll see you in January. We'll see you I hope in you 2020. have a wonderful holiday sounds season. Sounds like the future. 2020 sounds ridiculous to it me. It does. And now people will be able to say in the 20s, which to me will always be the time of flappers and Downton Abbey. That's strange. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Happy holidays. Happy, Happy New holidays. Year. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. Don't forget, you can find us on all the usual social media. Our website is whiteboardconsulting.ca. And this podcast will be available visually on YouTube by searching Whiteboard Consulting Group, Inc. Or if you want to read our blog that summarizes it, you can check out At The Whiteboard, a publication on medium.com. Finally, if you have any questions or suggestions, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email at info at whiteboardconsulting.ca. Thanks again. And we'll see you next week.